I'm going to jump straight into the scripture. Go with me to John chapter 21. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. John chapter 21, and we're going to read verses 15 through 23. So last week, we found the disciples, they were in this in-between phase. So they couldn't go back, but they didn't quite know how to go forward either. And so they found themselves not knowing what to do. And so Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. And the rest of them said, we're going to go fishing with you. So they stayed out all night, and this is their profession. They stayed out all night, and they didn't catch one fish. And all of a sudden, they see this man on the shore, and he begins to ask them, have you, children, have you caught any fish? And it's Jesus. And he says, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they ended up hauling in one of the biggest catches of their lives. They said it was 153 fish. And John says, it's the Lord. It's the Lord, guys. Peter jumps out of the boat into the water, and he begins to swim to the shore. And there, when they get to the shore, is Jesus, and he's prepared a meal for them. What they actually went out to catch, Jesus already has sitting down next to him, the fish and the loaves, and he begins to take care of the practical need. In this, we said Jesus has been appearing to them. This is, the, this is after the resurrection. And as he's been appearing to them, he's been addressing individual needs. So he takes the time as they're sitting around this fire to now begin to speak to Peter. Before this time, he had not spoken to Peter about his denial. So he's already seen them a couple of times, but he's never addressed it. So now we're going to pick up in the scripture this morning, and Jesus is going to address these three times that Peter denied him. In verse 15, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. So it says in parentheses in, in, in the ESV version, it says, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, 
If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It divides uh, bone from marrow, soul from spirit. It judges and discerns the thoughts of our hearts. God, we thank you that even right now in this moment, your word is moving, it's breathing, it's giving life, but it's also a mirror this morning, looking into the depths of our souls and into our hearts. And God, we pray this morning that thing that we see, God, that you would do a work, God, that you would heal, God, that you would encourage, God, that you would equip. God, that you would breathe life into every situation. We love you this morning, and we invite you into the space. Amen. So I have a confession to make. Are y'all ready for my confession? Y'all didn't seem too excited. I have a confession to make this morning. I find myself saying some things that as a child I said I would never say to my kids. I used to write those things down when I was young. I used to say, you should never say this to your kids. I'm never going to say this when I have kids. But yet, last week, I caught myself saying something to my kids. It was the exact same thing that I used to hear in the backseat of my car. So my parents, they would be driving, and of course, they, they get into a deep discussion, whether it's around our family or finances or uh, family members. And as a kid, you're back in the back seat, and you're looking out the window and dreaming and doing whatever else you're doing, playing with your toys, counting the cars. But every now and then, you would catch something that caught your attention, and then you would tune into the conversation because it would be something that would be concerning you but not really concerning you. So I would muster up the strength within this adult conversation to add my voice to what they were talking about. And so as quickly as I would say something to add my voice into the conversation, I would get this quick response that would say, stay out of adult conversations. And I find myself saying this to our oldest Caleb. Or I would get, what is that to you? This has nothing to do with you. This doesn't concern you. Why are you adding your voice to our conversation? And this is where Peter finds himself this morning as he's engaging into this conversation with Jesus. They're having this very meaningful conversation about his life, but then he begins to ask about somebody else, and Jesus answers him with the most gangster answer in the history of the Bible. He says, what does this have to do with you, Peter? If I want him to remain until I come back, I'll do what I want to do. And so, this morning, I want to unpack the scripture a little bit more. I think there's some things that we can take as Peter is restored and goes on this journey about what Jesus is speaking to him and what he wants to do with him with, with his life. So, Jesus asked Peter three times, 
Three times do you love me? And he said, it said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved on the third time. He's like, how could Jesus be asking me this? He's asked me this not once, not twice, but three times. And after that, he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And then Jesus simply responds, well, feed my sheep. So Jesus asked Peter three times because Peter denied him three times. So there's a process of restoration that's going on in this conversation. So Jesus is is using this time to now restore Peter um, in the things that he said. So in Mark chapter 14, in verses 66 through 72, Peter gets asked three different times about his association with Jesus. So the first time, it's a servant girl, and she sees him by the fire, and she says, weren't you with the Nazarene? Weren't you with Jesus? And Peter says, I don't understand what you're talking about. I wasn't with this guy. So the first denial, he denies that he was with him. Then the same servant girl sees him again, and she said, this man is one of them. He's one of the disciples. And Peter says, no, 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 no. That's not me. You got the wrong guy. It's this guy next to me. It's not me. So Peter denies following him. And then the third time, it's another group of bystanders. And they're listening to him, and they're saying, mm, aren't you a Galilean? We're hearing the way that you're speaking. We're hearing your conversation. We're hearing your dialect. You sound like one of them. And Peter denies speaking like him. So he denies being with him. He denies following him. And he denies speaking like him. And Jesus recreates a scene to restore all of this. This denial happens around a fire. It happens around the charcoal. And here's Jesus in the morning, and he recreates the same environment. He recreates the same place. And God will often use the same things that hurt us to heal us. Peter feels questioned. Peter feels defensive. And he's upset because Jesus has asked him three times. Saying, Jesus, you know my heart. And he hasn't quite made the connection about what Jesus is doing in his life. There's a restoration process that's going on that Peter, he hasn't caught on to yet. But I love how Jesus chooses to restore us regardless whether we know it or not. He doesn't give Peter's permission to restore him, to bring healing to his life, to bring wholeness to his situation. But he meets Peter where he's at and recreates this environment to now fully bring him to life. Jesus is saying to Peter, I know you're going to fail, but do you love me? And if you love me, then feed my sheep. So we can't let our failure keep us from walking in our destiny. I want to say that again. We can't let our failure keep us from walking in our destiny. 
I remember when I first started my relationship with Jesus and I was growing and, and developing and was in community, but I had this one skeleton in my closet that I just couldn't shake. I just couldn't shake it off. So I became sexually active as a teenager. And as I was growing in my relationship with Jesus, I just, I just kept messing up. I just couldn't get right. So here I was wanting to serve and want to be a, a, a leader in helping people grow in their spirituality, but I was failing. And I got to a place in, 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 in the relationship and in the season where I said, I'm a failure. God, you can't use me. Like, I'm, I'm not the one. I can't get over this thing that I'm struggling with. I've tried. I've been to the cross. I've answered altar calls. I'm like, I, I can't. What else, do you, what else do you want me to do? I've failed. And I heard Jesus ask me a question. Monty, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you, but I just feed my sheep. But God, I, I, I keep messing up. Monty, do you love me? Tend to my sheep. But God, I messed up. Monty, do you love me? Feed my sheep. So there becomes a point in a time in your life where your desire, where your passion for Jesus melts your other desires. And Jesus was saying, I know your heart. I know your struggle. I know what's going on. I know you think that you failed and that I can't use you, but I can because I see the gold inside of you. I see the potential. I see what, who you're going to be. But draw close to me. Draw near to me. And the one desire is going to eat the other. I often tell uh, people that we're counseling that are going um, into marriage or they're in the early stages of their marriage. As men, women don't all of a sudden become unattractive when you get married. There's not this, like, mask that Jesus puts on your face and everybody is ugly other than your, <laughs> other than your wife. It doesn't happen like that. But what happens is my love for Kimberly Faith Henderson begins to consume me. My love for my family and my two kids begins to consume me more than an attraction, more than a temporary passion. And I let that consumption lead me and guide me and to grow into intimacy with them. And it moves beyond a surface level. But it's something that becomes heart. And this is what Jesus is saying to Peter. Do you love me? Let my love consume you. Let my love lead you. Let my love guide you. You're going to fail, but let me melt these things off of your life that you're struggling with. He goes on to say, Truly, truly, Peter, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, 
You will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And after saying this, he said to him, following me. So Jesus is telling Peter, when you were immature, you didn't understand. You didn't have any responsibility. You were developing and growing. You could dress your own self, put on what you preferred. You didn't have to worry about other people's opinions. You just didn't have to do it. Peter could do what he wanted with his time because he didn't have any responsibility. I remember during my time in university, I didn't care what I looked like when I got up and I put on my clothes to go out. It didn't matter what anybody else thought. I didn't have any responsibility. I didn't have to be anywhere that I didn't want to be. I didn't care about what you thought about what I was wearing. I would do and go and wear what I wanted to wear. And if you didn't like what I had on, then that was your problem. This is what he's saying to Peter. There was a time in your life when you could do these things. You could wear what you wanted to wear. You could go where you wanted to go. You could do what you wanted to do with your time. There's no responsibility. You don't have to be aware of anybody or anything outside of yourself. But when you're old, when you season, when you mature, when wisdom comes, you're going to stretch out your hand and somebody else is going to lead you. You're going to submit your will to somebody else's will. And somebody else is going to clothe you with responsibility. And it will be somebody else's preference. And these things are going to happen because of the call on your life, because of your assignment, because of how I've made you, because how I've made you unique. It's going to bring these things. So he's trying to shift Peter's mind. Yes, I'm restoring you, but now let me shift you to responsibility. With the call, with the assignment, with who I've created you to be, there will be responsibility in it. And he tells Peter, follow me in this. Follow me. Later on in Peter's life, he would be crucified just like Jesus. History tells us that Peter thought that he was unworthy to be hanging in the same position as Jesus, so he asked to be hung upside down. Jesus is telling them, your call has responsibility. Last week, I was, I was sitting in our house. There's an area that we've designated as like the work area, and I had a small window. You know, when you get home and you like, you have something later on, and you, you, in your mind, you've mapped out this time. I'm going to spend this time to get this done. Nobody's going to be around, so I can get it done real quick and then I'll be able to do what I need to do. So I'm in there, I got my laptop down, I'm in the zone, I'm ready to work, and all of a sudden I hear this little voice coming out of the courtyard. Daddy, <laughs> daddy, come and play with me. And I say, Peyton, give me a couple of minutes, hold on, let daddy finish this real quick, I just need to zoning on this for a minute, and she keeps on calling my name, and I keep telling her, I can't, baby girl. 
just let me finish this really quick, and then I'm going to come outside, and I'm going to play with you for a few minutes. And eventually, she comes into the room, and she grabs my hand, and I look, and my hand is stretched out. This is what Jesus is telling Peter. There's going to be a time in your life where somebody else is going to lead you because it's going to be your responsibility. My responsibility is to be present with my daughter. It's to be with her. It's to give her my full attention. I have been clothed in that responsibility. That's not an option for me. So she's leading me into the, into the courtyard, and we go outside, and we begin to play. Your call will lead you into a place of responsibility. And you have to embrace it. And you have to embrace it fully. He said, after this, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What about this dude behind us? He's trying to get some insight into what's going to happen with John. And Jesus said, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So after this moment of restoration, which is significant for Peter, it's meaningful for Peter, He's in like the most important conversation that he could ever be having in his life. Jesus has went out of his way to recreate this environment, to sit down with Peter and not speak restoration and life into him. And Peter is thinking about something else. It says in the scripture, Peter turned. He turned his attention from Jesus onto another person. And when he turns, he sees his competitor. He sees his young competitor. He sees John, the one who was known to be Jesus' favorite. And he says, what about this man? So the passage of Scripture that we're reading this morning, this is from the perspective of John. If you notice, he calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. Have y'all picked that up? John is referring to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. That's the equivalent of me going home, and I'm talking to my two older sisters, and I refer to myself not as Monty, but the one whom our parents love. Even though that's true. <laughs> yeah. So Peter, in this moment, this very important moment in his life, which is about him and about his restoration, he starts thinking about John. And this is why he starts thinking about John. John had this intimate relationship with Jesus. Well, at the Last Supper, John is the one that leans back against Jesus' chest and says, who's going to betray you? Who are we looking at, Jesus? 
who, who is in the room? I know it's not me. Who's the one that's going to betray you? He had this type of relationship with Jesus. John was the one who, when Mary comes and she says, they've taken my Lord. Guess who's running to the tomb? It's Peter and who? It's Peter and John. Guess who beats Peter to the tomb? John. John beats Peter to the tomb. This is his competitor. That's what John is on his mind. He's thinking about John. John was the one when they were out on the boat, and this man calls from the shore, and he says, Children, have you caught anything? And the guy says, Toss your net on the other side. John is the one who recognized Jesus first. He said, It's the Lord. John is also the same one who, when they're at the cross, and Jesus is looking down at his mother, he sees who? John. And he tells him, this is your mother now. Take care of her. So when Peter should be thinking about Jesus, when he should be consumed with Jesus and what Jesus had just spoken over his life, he's thinking about John. What's going to happen to him, Jesus? He's worried about someone else. The last thing that he needs to be worried about. My question for you this morning is, do you have your eyes in the right place? Do you have your eyes focused on your relationship with Jesus? Or is it on somebody else's relationship? Do you have your eyes focused on your marriage, or is it somebody else's marriage? Do you have your eyes focused on your ministry, or is it somebody else's ministry? Do you have your eyes focused on your gift and what God has given you and your uniqueness, or is it somebody else's? The moment when Peter turns, he misses it. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. It's about you and him. Work out your relationship with him. Jesus is trying to do something in Peter's life that's transformational. And he's worried about something else. And Jesus says, what is that to you? Let me refocus your attention back to what you need to be focusing on. Stop worrying about John. Stop worrying about John. There's something that I'm trying to do in your life. But what's going to happen is you're going to miss it because you're turned looking at everybody else around you. Look in the mirror. There's something that has happened in your life, and in this moment, I'm trying to restore it. And I'm trying to show you what's going to happen in the future. But, you, but you're so worried about what's happening with somebody else's life. And then he says to him, you, follow me. You follow me. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. You follow me. I'm calling you, Peter, into a place 
I'm calling you into intimacy. I'm calling you into responsibility. I'm calling you into assignment. I'm speaking to you right now. I'm talking to you personally, one-on-one. You, follow me. You focus on what you're supposed to be focused on doing with me. Every night we have this routine at our house with the kids. So we come home and then they have some free time and then we'll have dinner. But they know after dinner that it's time to go take a bath. So a lot of times they'll be engaged in their show. It's amazing. I look around and everybody's like on their little device. <laughs> Peyton's watching Peppa Pig. Caleb's engaged with something with his, with his puzzles, where he's fixing something. And I say, okay, guys, it's time to take a bath. And I begin to hear the complaining. Oh, can we just spend a little bit more time to do this? Now, sometimes with, and we do hold to the water restrictions for you guys that are wondering in your mind, all right? It's not a full bathtub, okay? It's we're saving water. So sometimes we won't include Peyton in that. So Peyton continues to keep watching her show, but now Caleb has to go to the bathtub. And he begins to say, why doesn't Peyton, why doesn't Peyton have to take a bath? What about Peyton? Why does she get to stay and she gets to do what she wants to do, but I have to go do this? And it's the same thing that Peter is doing this morning. He's focused on the wrong thing. Focus on your life. Focus on yourself. There's something that God wants to do unique only in you. But if your eyes are turned somewhere else, your eyes are focused on somebody else's relationship. Yes, we help and we support people. But in this season, I believe God is saying, you, you follow me. Don't worry about the Johns in your life. Don't turn. You follow me. You focus on your relationship and growing your relationship with me. Can we do that this morning? Bow your heads. I want to pray with you. God, we thank you this morning that you call us by name. You call us by name, God. You know us personally. You know us individually. God, that you create spaces to restore the broken things in our lives. God, you know the things that have caused us pain. You know the things that have caused brokenness in us. You know the things that, that we're hung up on, the struggles, the difficulties. But God, you're in the midst you're there waiting on us, waiting to speak words of life, waiting to speak words of restoration. And you're asking us this morning, do you love me? Do you love me? Don't worry about the things that are going on or what has happened in the past, but do you love me? And God, we thank you that you give us strength. You give us strength to move forward. You give us strength to take the steps towards you. You give us the strength to make the hard decisions. 
We thank you that you haven't left us to ourselves, God, but you are with us every step of the way. In the dark moments, in the happy moments, in the moments of unknown, in the moments where we don't know what we're supposed to do, God, you're there, you're present. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. God, let us not get caught up in what everybody else is doing that we forget about what's in front of us. Let us see what's in front of us. Let us focus on what's in front of us. We need your help in that, Lord. We love you this morning. You're the reason why we're here. We ask that you continue to lead and guide us. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.